Welcome to the Horses in Life podcast. It has been a while since I've came to you guys with a new episode, so I'll try to briefly catch you up. Since I spoke to you last, I have been all over the place, um, and I think we had the KC Ranch Horse Classic since I talked to you guys, um, put on a little demonstration there working some horses, had a little a little uh, ranch horse competition, and then we had a horse auction I helped with, and that was a lot of fun this year. We had, in the month of September, I was all over the place, uh, Missouri, Indiana, Kentucky, North Carolina, back to Texas. I think I went through Nashville four times in like two and a half weeks or something like that. It was crazy. But driving all over October, we were in uh, Texas a couple days for a nice clinic there. Worked uh, down in the hill country a little bit, had a good time there, and then... Came back up to Pennsylvania. Just finished up with a week-long ranch clinic up here at Clark Farms in Hustontown, Pennsylvania. Dave Stamey came out and sang for us, and that was definitely one of the uh, one of the highlights of my year. Always is uh, second year I've able to, been able to have him at my clinic, and it's good times. And uh, man, we had some good friends come in from all over the place, and Scott was there to help, and Sabrina, and, and uh, you know we had a had a lot of a lot of good stuff going on and had a lot of fun got to meet a lot of new people and got to got to help a lot of people understand a little deeper level of uh work with their horses so anyway um i'm in pennsylvania still right now i am about to head back west basically i'll be back in missouri most of uh, november and uh, i have a couple clinics back there so you guys uh, any of you that are new uh, if you're interested you can Go to my website, calmiddleton.com. You can see my schedule there if you want to come to a clinic. You can follow Cal Middleton Horsemanship on Facebook and uh, kind of put the clinics and what I'm doing there. And uh, you guys come check out anytime you want. we got a one-day trail ride clinic in Missouri, and then we've got a two-day horsemanship clinic, I think, the weekend after Thanksgiving. Then I go to Arkansas, then I go to Texas for a couple months, so. Anyway, um, hopefully you guys can come out anytime. So I've been working on some, giving you some little referrals, some things that I enjoy um, in this podcast. So something to watch is uh, an old movie that's been around a little while. And I hate to say, I hate that I have to mention this because I, I w- would like to assume everybody already knows this movie. But it's, uh, it's actually a made-for-TV movie. And it's called Lonesome Dove. And... Um, if you watch that movie and you can kind of learn some of the lingo, uh, you'll probably understand my clinics a little better because you might be able to uh, figure out all those little jokes that two people laugh at during the clinic or three, uh, and then you'll be able to figure out why they're funny. So anyway, there's uh, there's that. Um, telling you about Lonesome Dove is seems like a waste of time, but I'll tell you a little bit anyway. Um, Robert Duvall, Tommy Lee Jones, Danny Glover, Ricky Schroeder, Angelica Houston, Diane Lane, uh, Robert Urich, um, the list goes on and on, Chris Cooper, um, so many great actors, actresses in that movie, and and uh, if you get a chance, check it out, a lot of good stuff there, so, something to read, you know, there is a, there's a lot of good books out there, and uh, I actually just found out that, uh, they were banning a few of these books in other places of the country and uh, 
and uh, I don't get some of that, you know, but I don't know. Um, anybody that's on a school board where they've banned any books, I'd love to get them on the podcast sometime and kind of maybe talk about some of those things. But uh, there's so many, uh, so many good books out there, so many classics, so many good things. But anyway, something that's just come to mind, and I, I heard that they were they actually banned this book. They banned it years ago for a different reason. But now they've banned it again for a whole different reason. Um, and I don't know if it ever should have been banned the first time. I definitely don't think it should be banned for the newest reason. But anyway, the book's called The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. And it's a novel by Mark Twain. It was first published in uh, 1884, I believe. Anyway, great books. And uh, I say books. I mean, there's there's other books that kind of go along with that. Great author. So anyway, you get a chance, check that out, and um, hope you enjoy that. If you, Some of you probably, obviously people have heard of it. I remember watching movies about it. Uh, I actually read the book a few years ago, and, and uh, those of you that might have kids or have it a chance to make an impression on young people, um, I think those are the kind of books that people can be reading today that I think they would do some good for some of the youth. But anyway, uh, okay, the last thing, something to listen to. And something to listen to, um, we lost another legend this week, and uh, his name is Jerry Jeff Walker. And if you didn't hear or if you don't know, he passed away uh, just recently, and it's been uh, been a pretty big, uh, pretty big hit to the music industry. And he was, uh, you know, he was he was one of the legends, and he was one of the guys that started the whole Texas music scene. And and of course, today there's so many genres, so many people artists, recording uh, companies that are kind of out there, labels that are out there, kind of because of some of the movements that he started and things that he did, you know, years ago. You know, folk music and and, uh, what we might call today red dirt music, Texas music, uh, even country western music, and, uh, you know, even some cowboy music. You know, there's a lot of different, you know, in the outlaw country music as well, you know, a lot of those had a lot to do with... uh, Jerry Jeff Walker, and uh, you get a chance to look him up. A lot of great songs. When I was a little kid, I was a Garth Brooks fan, and um, there was a song that really spoke to me. I didn't really understand it all the time, but I was pretty little. I had the Garth Brooks tape, and there was a song called Night Rider's Lament, and I didn't really understand all of it, but I mean, I could tell there was some depth in that song, and it was about, you know, cowboys riding and and you know, choosing to stay out there and do their thing instead of staying in town and doing other things, you know, like some people do. And and anyway, it's a great song. And of course, come to find out later, it's a Jerry Jeff Walker song. And and I got to hear Jerry Jeff a few years ago uh, sing, and I got to hear him sing that song, and it was pretty cool. But anyway, I'm kind of a music fan, for those of you that don't know, and uh, so every chance I get to, to share some good music at the clinics or try to uh, put it out here on a podcast, give you a little recommendation. Uh, check out Jerry Jeff. He uh, he wrote a song called Mr. Bojangles, which uh, a lot of you've probably heard. A lot of people recorded it over the years. Um, he wrote that actually while he was uh, doing a little stint in jail. Um, and uh, anyway, came out of that with, uh, with that. But a lot of great songs I could go on and on. But check out Jerry Jeff Walker if you get a minute. And now we'll move on to introducing our guest for this episode of the podcast. Um, you know, I've always been really excited. Uh, I've always wanted to get uh, this guy on here. Um, I've been looking forward to a long time 
uh, to get Dave Walters on the podcast. And uh, he couldn't make it, so um, I found somebody else, and his name's Greg. And uh, for those of you that don't get that joke, I hope Greg's listening to this already and he's laughing. Um, and for those of you that don't get that, uh, hopefully by the end of the podcast you'll you'll get it. So anyway, um, all joking aside, I'm super excited to have Greg Warren on here and super excited to uh, just get a chance to to see him and see him do what he does and get a chance to spend a little time with him. And I just felt privileged that uh, he took the time out of his day to be here. This guy's a he's a big deal in the comedy industry. I mean, he's a he's the kind of guy you see on HBO. He's got a new comedy special out on Amazon Prime and uh, so many things he's out there doing and uh, feel lucky to get a chance to be around him. So had a lot of fun with him and it was a good time. And you'll get to hear more about him coming up. So without further ado, I bring you Greg Warren. All right, here I am with my friend Greg Warren. Greg, thanks for doing this, man. You bet, Cal. Nice to be here, man. So we were just kind of talking. I just told him that there'll be some people here that know who you are and some people that don't. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and kind of what you're doing. I saw you last night at Comedy Club in Kansas City, of course. That's what that's, that's your thing. So tell us a little bit about that. I've been doing it full-time for about uh, 19 years I think 19 yeah. years yeah I was uh, tried it a little bit in college and then decided maybe I uh, wasn't ready to take that leap and I, t- I had it I got a day job out of, out of college I took a job selling Pringles and Jif and Duncan Hines and Crisco to grocery stores and how was I, my first place they sent me was Houston Texas they had a pretty good comedy scene down there so I tried it off and on down there I'd, I'd go back and forth I'd be like uh I think I'm, I really want to do this. And then I'd be like, no, I need to, cause I was making really good money at, at Procter and Gamble and like doing well with the company. And I was like, no, this is, I need a little more security. And after about five years, I got transferred up to Cincinnati, Ohio, which is their headquarters. And, uh, by that time I was still a little conflicted, but I, I, for the most part, I stuck to it. And those last three or four years I was at the company, I was doing stand up a lot. I mean, I was doing it probably half the nights of the year I was on stage somewhere and then in 2001 I just uh quit <laughs> it was it took about a 90 percent pay cut and I mean I had some money saved up so I bought a Toyota Camry and uh basically lived out of that car for a year and just traveled all over the country yeah traveled the road yeah yeah well you made it yeah I guess so <laughs> I, yeah I mean it's uh when I quit I kind of really was like you know, I'm going to do this for a couple of years because it's something I want to do. And then I'll probably have to go back to getting a, a, a job. And that was 19 years ago. So yeah. And, and so that far re- in that regard. Yeah, no, there's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Given the events of the last five months, uh, maybe I'll be selling potato chips again. Yeah. We all might be doing something different, right? Yeah. 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 It's been a crazy year. And I mean, there's too many people talking about that. We don't need to, we don't need to go into all that, but, no, but, no, man, but, but I know it's, been tough for, for folks like you that, that go out and entertain crowds for a living yeah man i mean it in a way like i've been on the road and i know you know you travel too so I, i've been on the road between like 40 and 45 weeks a year for 20 years so i could use the break right it's just the open-endedness of the you know if right. they were like hey you're gonna have to sit the bench for four months and then we'll be up and running i'll be like great I'll write, I'll kind of recharge, but it's like, uh, we're not, we're not really sure, uh, when or if you're coming back. So yeah, it's quite a deal. So you came here from St. Louis. You still have a home there. 
that's where you're at. I mean, I know you're on the road a lot, but you've got a home base there. Yeah, I've lived a lot of different places, man. I, I lived on the road for a year, and then I lived in L.A. for five years. Then I moved back to St. Louis, and then I moved to New York for four years, and then I moved back to St. Louis. Yeah. What was New York like? It's different, man. I loved it in a way because it, it is the most different place I've ever been. I mean, even L.A. L.A. is very different, but it, it seems like other than Hollywood, it's just sort of another suburb that you would live. New York, is just, it's just, uh, it's crowded and you, you're just uncomfortable and uh, you're surrounded by stuff you've never seen before. And that's usually good for the writing process. When you're a little bit uncomfortable and you're sort of jarred, you make a lot of mental notes. And, you know, Writing comedy is really hard. It's really hard to, to sit down and say what's funny. So if you can start with what's interesting or sort of what's different, what interrupted the continuum of the day, I can sort of hold that and be like, okay, that, there's something there. There's something there. And maybe I can turn that into something that people will laugh at. So the whole writing process, I, I, I came up this morning and you were scribbling some stuff and some notes somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, yeah. You caught me in the middle of it. Yeah. If that's jokes or you're, or you're just working on something else. But what's the process like? Writing jokes, writing a, a set to go out and do comedy. I mean, I think everybody sort of has their own process. Mine, what you caught me doing was called free writing um, or morning pages. And it's basically just get a notebook and a pen. Don't do it online. Get a notebook and a pen and write cursive for, you know, three or four pages every morning and just sort of stream of consciousness. You really shouldn't have much of a, a plan. It's basically, I usually start with, what happened yesterday? Who did I meet? How did I feel? What did I see? And then that could drift into, you know, 1982 or whatever, or 2050, you know. And then oftentimes there's not much that comes out of that, but it's sort of a mind clearing exercise. And then, like I said, every now and then there'll be something where you're like, eh, there's something different there. There's something that, you know, that happened yesterday and that doesn't usually happen. So I just write something in the margin of the page. I'll go back and pick up some of those things. And then, you know, I have another exercise where you just sort of like take that thing and sort of explode it out and just come at it from really different angles. Every now and then you get sort of like, I don't know, like divine inspiration or what, you know, you're just sort of walking down the street and you sort of see the connection and you're like, oh, that's, and I, 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 I'm not really superstitious or even spiritual, but I think if you do those morning pages with a lot of frequency, you get more of those moments you know where you're like oh that's that's how to say that that's what's funny there's the incongruency and you know my uh phone is just that little notes just app is just it's just full of i mean if anybody read it they'll be like well this is obviously an insane person you know this this guy needs to be in a mental institution but but you can take pieces from that yeah and i'll just think of something during the day and be like yeah this you know and, and like like i said it's kind of a a bit of a numbers game and where it's like yeah 90 percent of it is absolute garbage man <laughs> it's 90 percent if there's nothing funny at all about it yeah but that 10 percent you can do a lot with yeah you find right. something there and then i've gotten stand-up comedy is a really unnatural thing to do it's just it's a it's when you're up there for the first five years it just does not feel natural so but i've been doing it for a long time so i'm pretty comfortable on stage so i i can write on stage a little bit if i'm comfortable if, if i like the crowd if things are going well you can riff a little yeah i just sort of take an idea and be like let's see you know i usually kind of have an idea where it's going and then like on a on a saturday night show where it's sold out which doesn't exist in in these times but not today yeah but you know when there's when, when the crowd's hot and you're feeling it 
a lot of times, like after every joke, you're going to get an extra like three or four seconds of laughter because it's just you're killing. And that is an infinite amount of time. Believe it or not, it's like in those four seconds, you just sort of think you just have you can you can sort of relax, lay back and be like, okay, what else could I say about that thing? Where could I take that? As opposed to, you know, when it's not a great crowd, you're leaning forward and you're just like, there's no beats in between. You get like, uh-huh, and then you're on to the next thing. Now, I think some of the great ones, like a guy like Dave Chappelle or whatever, he's probably in that zone of relaxation, whether there's one or a thousand people in the crowd. Like he just probably gets into that and just... And I need to get to that place a little bit more where, you know, you don't want to be arrogant, but it's just like, I really don't care so much what you guys think, you, you know, yeah, but you it's, it's, it's weird because both of us come from a wrestling background and a Midwestern background. And it's like, you got a job to do, man. Somebody paid their babysitter and they bought tickets and this is their night out. This may be their one night out for the month. Like I better make them laugh, you know? And if I have this stuff that I know works, you got to do enough of that to make sure they enjoy the evening, you know, and then also you're the newer stuff. You want to get in there too. Sure. Well, I'll say you make it look natural. And, oh. and of course I've, I've seen a lot of your stuff over time, you know, on YouTube videos, different stuff. And through the common friends that we share and other yeah. people like that, of course I knew about that, but then it's, it's been interesting to me. I had some clients uh, a few years back and they were, you know, we were just talking one day, we we're on a road trip going to a horse show and we're just talking and this lady was talking about i said something about a comedian here or there and she's like do you know that greg warren and i'm like yeah yeah well well her her husband went to missouri university like you did so i assumed and she's from hamilton missouri oh yeah and i know you've got friends from right up in that area Trent, yeah. missouri and stuff sure. that i know so i assumed there was a connection there and that's how she knew you we were just talking this and then she's like yeah flute man greg i love that flute man <laughs> you know she's going on and we and we joked about that for a year all of a sudden one day i said something about greg and missouri and she goes he went to missouri and I went, yeah. And I assumed her husband knew you or something from Mizzou back in the day. And she's like, no, we just saw him on HBO. And I'm like, oh, cool. You know, it was just, it's so funny how that kind of works, you know. But, but yeah, there's, there's the people that have been doing it long enough, like you. And, of course, like you said, there's people you look up to or people you know that are funny. And, and there's kind of that point where you, there's like, look, I know this is funny. If you guys don't laugh, it's not my fault. It's funny. But then there's also the other point, like you said, where you got to be careful. It's like the crowd has to tell you what's funny. Yeah, it's a weird, I think, and that's probably, you know, I don't want to get too philosophical, but I'm, you know, I'm guessing there's the definition of art is somewhere in there in doing what you think is good, but also being somewhat conscious of what the audience thinks is good. And, and I, you know, the, and, the, and there's a huge continuum there. The pure artist would be like, well, I don't care one bit. I'm guessing Picasso and Matisse could care less what the public thought of their paintings, but I'm not that. I'm somewhere on the continuum. There's also some people that'll be like, man, I'll do whatever it takes to get a laugh. And I've seen that and I can spot it really quickly and be like, it's garbage. You know, there's not much thought that went into it. And, and that makes me a bit snobby because, hey, maybe the, you know, maybe the audience is killing. You know, he's killing with the audience. And who should I be to judge that guy? They're, he's making people have a good time. but. You know, you want to probably keep your mouth shut about it, uh, is like, which I have done and have not done, where it's just, you know, like, well, that guy, man, I can't believe it. Just keep it to yourself. But you should have an opinion about where on that continuum you fit, I think. But yeah, it's, it's cool. Back in the day, it was, um, there's not that many places to find comedy. So it, there's negatives and positives. Like, you know, you know, back in the day, if you go on Carson and have a good set, you're probably going to be 
you're going to do really well for a long time. Like it was, you know, like I've done late night shows and it's gone well and it, you know, it didn't really move the needle that much. But the other thing is there's so many different ways that people can hear you, you know, at Pandora, satellite radio, you know, there's some radio shows like Bob and Tom that are syndicated in the Midwest or Johnny Dare here in Kansas City that I've been doing for years. And then, you know, then you get some videos that are out there, a little bit of TV here and there. So it's uh, it's nice that th- there's all kinds of different ways that people can, you know, find out who you are. Yeah, that's, I listened to your deal on Opie and Anthony whenever you're, whenever they, they had the guy from Purdue call in. I don't know if that was Opie Anthony. Or no, no, not Opie, I'm sorry, Bob and Tom. Bob I, and Tom, I, yeah, I, yeah. Sorry, I just, oh, it, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah, came Dave, out because I was thinking Yeah, Dave it. Walter, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was funny. Yeah, they get, yeah that was, uh, <laughs> it's funny. So they asked me, and I didn't even realize they were setting me up. Of course. I, I mean, I should have seen it, but. We were talking about wrestling, and my senior year, I was in the NCAA wrestling tournament, and I, um, I played seventh, and they were like, well, how did it go? And I'm like, I lost the first match. This guy, Dave Walter from Purdue, who I had beaten when I was a sophomore, and he beat me like twice that year, I think. He was good. He wound up taking third. But, and, you know, there's consolation, so I wrestled back and beat like three or four other guys, and then I just mentioned it. And then uh, 10 minutes later, they're like, oh, we're getting a phone call. Oh, it's Dave Walter. And it's, of course, it's Dean, the producer, right, calling right, in. Right. And they're like, hey, Dave, how you doing? He's like, oh, things are going great, man. I mean, I got, I'm got a billionaire, and I've got, you know, a beautiful model wife. And, I mean, it all well, – well, Dave, when do you think things really started taking off for you? It's like, when I beat Greg Warren, like it really <laughs> – yeah. Oh, that was great. Yeah, yeah, that was that was really good, man. Well, and, and, it, and it's it's like everybody, I mean, people remember sports if you're into sports, but the wrestling deal, people that don't that didn't wrestle are genuinely shocked when I know the names of all the kids I wrestled and oh, who yeah, I beat man. and who I lost to and yeah, what yeah. the score was. I mean, you know, it's, they're just shocked. How do you remember all that? It's like, well, how would you forget that? Yeah, yeah, it's, right? it's very personal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and and you remember the uh Sometimes you try to forget their names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I remember a lot of the losses probably more than the wins. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a good thing for us, but no, I'm it's the same not. way. No, it's not. I mean, I can tell you. Yeah, I, you know, I can tell you the four mistakes, the biggest mistakes I made in college wrestling in a match. So your senior year, you finished as an All-American. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, that's a big deal. Yeah, it was, man. I mean, I was really, uh, I felt proud and... I don't know. I look back and I'm, I wish that I would have known a few different things, but there's a lot of guys that were better than me probably that didn't make all Americans. So I don't, I don't feel bad. Like I also look back and be like, you know, I probably could have done more with my career. I could have been better and I could have uh, maybe placed a couple times. And if I would have done things differently, but I, I also look back and be like, yeah, I, it's nice to, it's so funny. Cause it's, it's one match, you know, it's a, you know, it's like, the year before I got down to the match before being all American and I lost. And there's just this chasm of difference when you're talking to people 20 years later, if I said, yeah, I was pretty good. I, you know, I had, I was an all American. Oh, I was like, it's, it's so 15 seconds. It's, it's such a really, yeah. That guy from New Mexico was able to take me down, you know, in the last 30 seconds of the match. And that was it. And I happen to be able to get the guy from Michigan the next year, but it's, I, I was about the same wrestler, but it, yeah, it is. And people give you, it's funny. Like I, you know, when I was a kid, I don't think people really, it was a cool thing to do, but now like it's amazing with MMA. I think people are just overly impressed with it or the, and, and they give you a little more credit probably than it's due. It's like, oh, that guy, man, he's an all American. You don't want to mess with him. I'm like, I'm 51, man. <laughs> it, it, I mean, yeah, I think if there's another 51 year old, I could probably take him. 
but especially if he wasn't an all-american yeah like, yeah i, like I think chances. i think i could take him you know but <laughs> there's a, there's also a lot of, yeah i i'm not so sure how well i'd fare against some 20 year old kid who was not an all-american you, you know yeah i didn't wrestle in college and I, I don't know if i was at that level obviously where where you were but you know i had a little success in high school and you know you have that you kind of look around and you think, oh, I, you know, I, I can do this. Stuff. And then, and then, but today I look at the, I mean, even, even a few years after that, but especially today, I look at these kids in college now. Yeah. And they're just killers, man. They are, man. I mean, some of the, actually the Missouri high school wrestling seems to me like it's at a little bit different level than, I think maybe when you and I were wrestling, and I know I'm older than you, but I think that there was, um, maybe it was a little deeper. You know, I think there was a lot of really good wrestlers, but the elite, there seems to be the elite seem a little better than we were. Oh yeah. There's the top two in every weight class seem like they're a little better than they were when we Well, putting we and putting you and I in the same <laughs> category isn't even isn't even fair because I know you were you were a very successful wrestler. But it's kind of been cool that you've turned a lot of that into your into your comedy stuff. And and of course it just shows whatever people talk about in their comedy just shows things that were important. Yeah, them or things that they think about, but I mean, you've you've been able to turn a lot of that stuff into some really good comedy routines, and some of it's funny for for wrestlers, but most of it's funny for people, that, even if they don't know anything about wrestling. But for people that wrestled, it, it's really funny. Yeah, I mean, it's I had to learn that early on, and it's um, there's a lot of different kind of comedians, and and I sort of realized, hey, early on, if there's one topic that everybody's going to write about, let's say you know back in the '90s, it was like Pizza Hut put cheese in the crust well there's like you know within two weeks there's you know 500 guys that had a joke about pizza hut putting cheese in the crust and i realized my joke was not going to be the best if we're all writing on the same topic my joke's just not going to be the best joke that's not the style of comedian that i am so i was like i'm gonna have to find a way to write about something that nobody else is writing about and that doesn't mean that i mean there's plenty of topics that i cover that other people cover you know i'm, I'm not that original but but and the only way to really do that is talk about your own life you know is to be extremely personal and so wrestling was you know is such a big part of my life i'm like i got to talk about wrestling and it seems like it's much harder to talk about something that's that closer to you because you just don't see you know like when i said i was in new york i'm immediately surrounded by stuff that i'm unfamiliar with and you notice everything with like wrestling you're so close it was such a part of my life i started when i was four you know i wrestled through college and it's really hard to kind of see what's interesting about it or what's different because i lived it but you sort of chip away and i've always said it's really hard to sort of you, you you're tempted to be like what is the let's get to the heart of what's funny about wrestling it's impossible to start with the middle. So it's like, find a joke about the mat or the ref or the whistle, like the edges. Start with tangents and maybe work your way back in. Or maybe don't work your way back in. But, you know, find something on the outside and then maybe you can back into something. So, And then, again, I was, you know, when I, there wasn't flow wrestling when I was starting doing comedy. And there, there was very few gigs where I'm just talking to wrestling people. So... I'm like, I have to make this funny to everybody. And, and, and I think that's a lot of what comedy is. You, you know, you let them see this thing that they're unfamiliar with, but help them become familiar with it and laugh about it. And, and people generally want that. They, they are, if there's a world that they are not part of, they kind of want to see into it, you know? So you, you give them a glimpse into it, bring them in, let them kind of get- Especially the funny parts about it. Yeah, yeah. Now, later on, Flow Wrestling came along, where it's just this website that's all about- 
you know, it's, it's for wrestling people. It's for people that are wrestling fans. So I started to do more like sort of inside type stuff. And, and that was, that wasn't really stand up comedy, but we did a few like short films. Oh yeah, they were great. Oh, thanks man. Yeah. We, I really, and I had a, you know, the time of my life doing it. It's, it's, it's a ball. I'm, I'm trying to work on something right now for something like that. It was the time of my life and it was like, I didn't have to really be, I didn't have to spend time bringing people in because they already know all the ins and outs of wrestling. So just, just, you know, you're just start and go and you know who you're talking to right there. Yeah. Yeah. For some of you guys that haven't had a chance to watch some of those, one of my, I mean, there's, there's so many of them that I've enjoyed and I probably haven't seen all of them, I'm sure. But, but one of my favorites was he's wearing a headgear, which, oh, yeah. which is what we wear in wrestling. And, yeah. and he's got cauliflower ear, of course, that he makes jokes about, but he's, he's on a date, right? And this girl's like, well, can you take the headgear off while we're eating or whatever? He's like, well, got cauliflower ear. You want to protect your ears at all times. Right? <laughs> yeah. Just, you you know, classic. the funny thing is like, I remember that that's going back probably 10 years. That, that seems thing. like just the other day. Yeah. And that video, the girl in that video is a girl named Nikki Glazer, who's sort of a, She's a big deal. World famous comedian now. Yeah, yeah. She went to my high school a lot way after me. She didn't know that. She knew my brother. Yeah, Nikki is the girl in that that I was on a date with in that video. That's great. And they got the red alert going on where you get your elbows in all the time. (laughs) Staying in good position. It's just great. Yeah, for those of you guys that haven't got to catch some of that, of course, people can find you on YouTube, Greg Warren. They can look you up. You've got a YouTube channel. Yeah, nobody goes there. Nobody goes there anymore. (laughs) So while we're on this topic, you got a special that just came out. Tell us about that, your comedy special. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on a lot of places, but Amazon Prime seems like the the easiest place. to. If you have Prime, it's free. If you don't have Prime, you go to Amazon, it's like five bucks to rent. But it's called Where the Field Corn Grows. It's an hour stand-up comedy special, and I'm really proud of it. And it was, it was a lot of fun to do. I, I recorded about a year ago, and we, we put it out about a month ago and it's it's off to a good start and it's basically all about sort of what I don't know about farming. I grew up in the suburbs and I just didn't pay attention. I wound up going to some out to some farms and talking to farmers and stuff and and learning about farming and it was I mean the whole thing isn't about that but that's the sort of the central theme. I heard you on the Bob and Tom show you were talking about the difference in sweet corn, field corn. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Somebody yeah. was explaining that to you. Yeah. So they, yeah, I didn't know the difference. Of course, probably most of this is a, a horse podcast. I'm guessing that most people know, but some people. Yeah. Field corn is what the animals eat and sweet corn is what we eat. And uh, once they explain it to you, it's, it's, uh, it's real easy to remember because uh, field corn is grown in a field, whereas sweet corn is grown in a field so you can see they, they clear it right up for you <laughs> clarity i like yeah, clarity yeah yeah, yeah 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 it's good so when you wrestled at mizzou yeah I, i'll have to throw a couple names out here that i know sure, man. Fr- friends of yours i know so i coached with dan duncan for a little oh while yeah park hill south and then and reggie burris friend of mine he coached with i my love those Gabe. guys man yeah. i love those guys yeah the trentonians yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, trenton missouri is where those boys grew up yeah yeah they were uh, i think reg was a year younger than me and dan was two years younger than me both really really good man yeah those guys were tough wrestlers yeah yeah they always had some good stories about you and i know you've had some about them over the years yeah yeah i don't know if we can put all of them on the podcast no right, but... probably not man <laughs> probably not yeah the reg was oh he's a character man he'd just throw that damn headlock that was he loved throwing a headlock man yeah, he, he and, you know, and he, and he, the thing is, when you get to college, you're probably not going to get caught in a headlock. But Reg would throw it anyways, and, you know, he wouldn't get it on me, but it was like, 
okay, I got out of it. It was basically Reggie just punched me in the side of the head as hard as he could. I'm like, God, Reggie, would you knock it off with the headlock? I mean, it just, you didn't wham. score, but I think I'm going to lose score, now. didn't score, but I think I might pass out. You know, I'm like, he, this is a way for him to just hit me is all he's doing. And then uh, Dan, man, one of my favorite Dan moments was uh, Dan was good. He was a real good wrestler, and um, we were in Vegas one year. And I think Dan was like a 142-pounder, basically. I was at 150, and I think, I can't remember who was at 142, maybe Todd Hayes or somebody. And, uh, and we didn't have a 58-pounder, so they put Duncan up at 58, I think. He's basically 15 to 20 pounds lighter than the guys that he's wrestling. And he, he was doing well, man. He was, he was hanging in there with some of the best guys in the country. And it was so funny because you'd see these guys – Duncan had a real weird style. He had a good front headlock from what I remember, and he was, you know, he was different to wrestle. And um, you'd see these guys get to about midway through maybe the second period, and they'd realize, I've, uh, I've got 20 pounds on this guy. <laughs> and then they'd start, they'd start pushing him around a little bit. Yeah. But, but yeah, Dan, was a, he, was a, he was a tough wrestler, man. Yeah. yeah that's good. It's got to be fun memories just having those – traveling with guys like that and, and that time of your life in college and even in high school, you know, just those relationships that you have there, you know, they just never go away. Even if you don't see, them no, years, it's, I know? mean, it, it's weird. Cause you know, I've, I have a lot of friends and I've met a lot of people and I come in contact with a lot of people because like you, you travel all the time. But I had uh, lunch yesterday with this guy, Joe Taylor, who was uh, wrestled for a while at Mizzou and he was my roommate for a while. And it was like, and I hadn't seen Joe in about man, it might've been 20 years. And we sat down at the Cheesecake Factory and talked for about three and a half hours, and I laughed as hard as I laughed. And it was, and you know, like, I, and there's people that I see every week that I can't do that with. It's like those, sure. those, those such formative times in your life, and you're also just making mistakes and d- doing crazy stuff. And then, I mean, it's weird. It's a mix, you know, because I, I'm like, oh, that was great. And then I have these moments like, what was, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, there's always some of those days, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a feeling now, after your story about Reggie, I'm going to get a call from Reggie after he listens to this. You know, I actually did give him a headlock one time. Or, yeah, I mean, oh, I, I know, I I know he'll say that. I'm happen. sure there was one day, but I don't remember it. But he'll be, I know, I got him in the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure Reg, I'm sure Reg probably threw one on me one time, man. He's not here, so that's just how it goes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if he showed up, man, I, you know. But, I mean, that guy – He's and and the, him and Duncan are both great coaches now too, right? I mean, and they've both been coaching for a while. I think that, you know, and that's probably what's making. Seems like these Missouri kids are pretty good these days, and it's you got these guys that were college wrestlers and you know know a little bit more that are um, coaching our our high school guys. Yeah, for sure. And girls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So going back for just a minute, you're talking about making it in the business and back in the beginning. Yeah, okay. we got a little background noise here, so we'll try to. We'll try to talk through it, and hopefully we can hear it afterwards. But talking about making it, you're living in your car for a year. You're doing this and that. And I, I can I can relate, and I say that loosely, obviously, not to becoming a stand-up comedian or not to something that, that, that's successful. But I can relate to, to trying to work on making it in a business where Yeah, where, I mean, you're, well, we're, you're we're very similar. You're doing something that there's not necessarily this – corporate path for you're on your own you're you're training horses and uh it's not a traditional field sure and the the one thing that i was i was going to ask you about and i've i've said this to people before it's like 
as tough as it as it was or maybe is to kind of make it i i can't hardly imagine and there's people that have done it don't get me wrong but it i can't hardly imagine doing that and then looking back and also having a family and a relationship that's important and all that kind of stuff while i did that because there was a lot of sacrifices i took that it didn't matter if i wanted to live in my car for a yeah. while or whatever right but if i had a family it would have been different so i know you can probably speak to some of that a little bit. sure man i don't i mean i'm 51 i've never been married never really been close i mean i had a, a, a couple girlfriends that you know i certainly was thinking about that sort of thing with i think we all sort of do what we want to do in the end if that was what i really really wanted i think that's what i would have done so, and, and, you know, a few things and I got started late. I quit my day job when I was 33, which is not for show business. That's starting a little late and there's probably some problems that came from it. And also some, there's some good things. Like I had money, so I didn't have to make stupid decisions and I don't want to over romanticize living out of my car for a year. It, there's some guys that actually do live out of their car. And if they don't have a hotel room that night from the club, they're sleeping in the car. I had money. So if I, if the, the club gave me some like bad hotel, I'd be like, I'm getting my own hotel. I got money. You know, I'm, I was used. So, but, and you know, it's, and, and, and anything can happen at any time, but for the most part, especially as a man, like usually if you're hitting your stride in uh, you know, you're getting to be the best that you've, that you are in your mid thirties, you know, that's a really good thing. I think early to mid thirties for, for, for show business. And I wasn't, I was just getting started. So the time I started really feeling like, man, I'm getting really good at this in my mid forties. And at, around that time I started looking in the mirror and being like, good God, man, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Where did this come from? <laughs> yeah. I have this joke. I was like, back when I was in like my thirties, you know, I'd look in the mirror and be like, come on, man, you got to get it together. You just got to, you got to start eating better. You got to start working out, maybe get, you know, get a new shirt, you know, and the, and we'll get this fixed, you know? And then now I look in the mirror, I'm like, I don't really think I have any moves here. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, there's, there's not much I can do about this. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Like, I, I'm like, as far as like fit, you know, like I'm in as good a shape as ever. I eat really well. I've been working out pretty good and, and, and doing, especially with the quarantine, I've been like doing some stuff that I haven't done in years, you know, and, but I still look in the mirror like, yeah, it's still not going to, uh, <laughs> it's not going to get me back to looking like I was when I was 30. Yeah. You know? It's funny how that stuff changes. Yeah. That's just how it goes. But no, no, you're, you're in good shape up there doing your thing. And you know, the, the set last night, so I went and saw Greg last night at the comedy club of Kansas City. Yeah, that's what comedy it was called. Head to make City, sure yeah. I say it right. But yeah, that was a, that was a good set. And oh, it was, thanks, it was, man. It was, it was funny. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of good things and it's, it's interesting that, you know, the guys, the guys that come on before you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and, you know, it's, it, go, and also it isn't like the first guy, it's a horrible time to go up anyways. Even if you're good, it's not easy because their crowd's cold and they're not paying attention or they're ordering drinks and stuff like that. And they, unfortunately in our business, we give that role to the person that's the least qualified to do it. Yeah. It's kind of the opposite. <laughs> yeah. What it, it ought to be. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man. I mean, I enjoyed last night. I, you know, it's always as a comedian, it's sort of about your newest jokes, you know, like, so, and I sort of measure things by like, usually it's a special or a CD. Um, I haven't done a ton of like, that Amazon thing was the first hour special I've done. So I've measured it by like CDs and, um, Got it. I kind of count anything that's not been out on a CD is new. So there's people that, and I want people to go watch that special. So I'm like, I'm going to try not to do much from that 
So, but I, you know, I got, I've been kind of flirting with about a new 30 that's not been published anywhere, you know, a new 30 to the 35, depending on the night. And uh, most of it's working. It needs a lot of tweaks and it. You know, there's some of that 35 when I eventually put something new out, I bet you that turns into 20, you know, that's tight and ready, but I've like, at least I got some ideas in the hopper. I, I, I haven't found like the theme to sort of weave the new thing together, but you know, I think that'll come organically but uh i was having fun and then you know every now and then you just i like last night there was probably two ideas that i threw out that i'd never said on stage before and i think one of them like did it kill no but i was like oh there's something there man this Which th- one? i'd mentioned that uh oh i got a lot of time in my hands during this quarantine and i was like i gotta man i gotta start uh learning stuff and i was like i think i'm gonna i need to learn trees you yeah. know like, I, cause like, I don't know trees, I, I, which sounds ridiculous, but like I, <laughs> I, and it's true. Like I know Christmas, palm <laughs> and other, like I just, and, and it's, I feel stupid. Cause they'll be like, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's sitting over there under the, uh, that old oak tree. And I'll be like, nah, I don't know that one. You know, <laughs> is that the one with the leaves? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's got the leaves on it. Okay. The green one. Yeah. It's, and then I sort of tried to weave in also because, and this has been something, and I don't know how to make this funny, but like my whole life, I, I cannot identify poison ivy, man. And I've had the people tell me, like, it's the three leaves and it's this. And I'm like, yeah, got it. I see the picture. And then I'll get out there and be like, no, no idea. No, no idea. I don't know what it, I don't, I couldn't tell you. The three leaves. Yeah. The clovers have three leaves too. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what you're talking about, man. There's a lot of weeds right there. Yeah, there's a ton of weeds, man, and a ton of weeds. And they don't, you know, like, I mean, effectively, they all have three leaves. I mean, in addition to the other 12 that they have, you know, or the 50. There's three leaves within that whole thing. So, again, I don't know exactly how that thing winds up, but there's something there that I think, like, is that I, I'm like, and I've, and that's been in the back of my head for a long time because I've gotten poison ivy and I've had people. I'm no, I'm probably more impressed with somebody that can pick out poison ivy than I am, you know, like somebody that works at NASA. Like, right. I, you know, like I, I was walking. <laughs> One's with, a little more practical for me, you and I. Yeah, seems exactly. Like, yeah. Right? I was walking with this girl in Austin. There's a friend of mine and she's like, oh, that right there is poison ivy. I'm like, you're, you're a genius. <laughs> you, you know, <laughs> would you marry me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was married. But uh, yeah. And that was a girl that I probably should have tried to marry years ago. Yeah. But uh, there you go. Again, I got caught up in my own stuff. Have you spent much time in Austin? You got a shirt on from Austin. Too, yeah, yeah. Time. I love Austin, man. I do too. I, yeah, it's, it, it's about as good as it gets. I, I mean, it, it was one of the first places when I went on the road that they sent me. Like that year, I still remember that when I got in the car. And, you know, that was like I had an Austin-San Antonio run and I had the time of my life. And I, uh, so yeah, I, and I go back, you know, at least every two years. And there's a, it's a great comedy scene and it's just a, it's just a cool place, man. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I like it down there too. And I lived in Houston of, for for four, five years too, so right out of college. So you know, I kind of know a little bit about Texas. I spend the winter in the last couple of years down around Bastrop. So Where's you, that? I know so that. You, going from Houston to to Austin, you drove right through Bastrop. Two ninety. Yeah, just right out there, not too far. Out. Okay. Oh, cool, man. It's about forty minutes straight east of Austin. Okay. Yeah. All right. Great, yeah. man. Not, not just just past the airport, a half hour. Is basically. that where the? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a big Bucky's there. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. uh yeah, there's probably a couple of good barbecue places right there. I oh yeah, imagine. there is the Roadhouse and a couple other deals. Yeah, there. yeah, there's a couple. There's some famous ones there, I think yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah, there is. 
Well, Black's Barbecue is down there around uh, Lockhart, and there's, yeah. yeah, but there's some there's some good barbecue down there. And of course, coming from Kansas City, I know, you know man. Yeah, I've, I've been around good barbecue. What's the? I mean, in Kansas City, which ones do you you think? I mean, some of the older traditional ones, Arthur Bryant's and Joe's and Gates, and then the Joe's is probably one of the top ones. And I mean, Q thirty nine. Oh yeah, is downtown. It's one of the top ones for sure. Yeah, and that's this is a this is an hour long conversation itself. I know, man. I know barbecue stuff. Yeah, I uh, I'm always. I mean, I went, I went to Jack Stack the other day, and then uh, I went to this place right over here because we didn't have much time before the show, and I went. It's called Burnt Ends Barbecue, and it it was real good, man. Yeah, Burnt Ends are good in itself. I haven't been to the place called Burnt Ends. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's and I'm like probably the. And I'm almost, it's with the KC people, they're so snobby about it. And they're so like, kind of like manly man about it. Like <laughs> the guy, Dustin, that owns the club, he's like, hey, let's get some barbecue tomorrow for lunch. And I, and I hate to admit to him, I'm like, man, I got to have some kind of healthy side with, if I'm going to eat barbecue, like I can't, I just, my stomach's messed up and I just, I don't feel well. I'm, I, I, and I'm afraid, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm just that much of a whiner, but it's like. I know what normal, like if we go to Gates or Arthur Bryant's, it's probably like, yeah, a piece of bread and some beans or something are the only sides. I'm like, I can't do it, man. I can't. So I got to go, I got to go comb and look for like, who has, you know, some vegetables and, uh, and, uh, and I'll call him and, and probably tell him, I want to go here and be like, what are you, it's typical St. Louis, you know, like <laughs> just, yeah. Oh, you want that kind of barbecue? Yeah, yeah, Fine. yeah, yeah. And I know they're, you know, that they, they want to go eat in a gas station somewhere and exactly. I'm like, yeah, I'll be a man and then I'm going to feel awful for the show. Like I got to eat some vegetables. Might as well go to a chain restaurant. Yeah, I know. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. Well, yeah, that's, uh. It's interesting for me, the different places I go and just kind of getting into those different cultures and see what people consider good and bad and food and, and yeah. what's popular, what's not. Every little area has their own their own little deal. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I bet you've been, yeah, just doing what you do. I bet you've eating some really good food. Yeah, but you, you try not to make that the focal point. Yeah. Right? <laughs> then it goes back to the other conversation we were having where it's like, maybe I ought to stop worrying about where we're going to eat and do yeah. some more sit-ups at night. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly, man. <laughs> Find that balance. So my thoughts to you are keep working on your poison ivy thing because that's funny. Okay, thanks, man. No, I, I, <laughs> I mean – got to figure that out, but it's I mean, funny. It was funny last night, but I get what you're saying, that there's more to there's it once There's more, you work like on. I got to find a seam. It's weird. I've learned to sort of trust it and then give it a lot of time and then keep messing with it. I, I, man, I don't – that's weird what you do when you get older, but uh, you know, I used to be going to bars and trying to meet women. And now like I do crossword puzzles every day. I do the New York times crossword puzzle every day. I try it every day. And there's this thing where the process is similar to joke writing. Cause like on a harder crossword puzzle, you know, like I did the Saturday today and it's like, the, you like you go through it the first time and I got like two words and it's like, okay, you're going to have to trust that you can get more like, you know, so I can't just, just read the clue and know. So you get this letter here and this letter there and you sort of chip away at it and you sort of back into it and triangulate. And it's kind of how it is with joke writing. It's like throw more stuff out there. I know this isn't the funniest thing in the world I'm going to say, but if I start here, maybe it's going to lead me to this other place that you, and then you find this idea somewhere in the middle there. No, I've always been real impressed with people like you that are, that are creative. And I, and I realize it doesn't, people say, oh, this popped into my head. Well, sometimes that does, but a lot of times you guys work hard on, on stuff. To, yeah. To I mean, it, I think, like I said, you know, it's probably a little bit spiritual, but I, I think you earn some of those easy creative moments by doing the work. That, of course. I've had friends there, you know, I tell them, and, and there's writing processes for different, you know, the morning pages doesn't work for a lot of people, but, uh, 
they'll be like, yeah, I did those pages, man. I didn't get anything funny. I'm like, you did them for two days. Yeah. I've <laughs> done, I've gone 10 days and got nothing out of it. But every time I've gone 30 days, I get something out of it. And there's not, there's not a time when I've gone 30 days in a row doing journaling or morning pages when, you know, things didn't work out a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So I've heard a few different guys talk about the way they come with jokes and work on stuff. And you mentioned Dave Chappelle earlier. Of course, yeah. he's, he's not only a legend, but he's the guy that's still out there today. That's sure. you know, obviously one of them that anybody in the, in the comedy industry has to, in a way, look up to him. But, but who are some other guys that, that you look up to, whether it's today or some of the older guys that you, that you kind of enjoyed listening to? Or? I mean, there's a ton of people that I uh, – I mean, wrestling sort of provided with my, my first – I didn't – wasn't aware of stand-up comedy much as a kid. Like I just didn't see a lot of it. I, you know, I liked movies a lot that, you know, funny movies, but, uh, they used to have that national, it's called Fargo now, but they had that national freestyle tournament. They used to have it in, I think Cedar Falls, Iowa at the Unidome. And me and my friend, Stacy Weiland, who wrestled in St. Louis, went, went to it one year and we were cutting weight and we took a bus and, you're just miserable on the bus and you know, you were kids, so you you're not that tough. And, uh, and then I, um, he had like an Eddie Murphy cassette tape and a, a Walkman, you know, and before anybody had a Walkman and I listened to that and I just thought that was hilarious, you know? So that was an early influence. I'm, I'm a big Bob Newhart fan. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I think he's great. I think he's, I, I like, so he's very, uh, quiet and, self-deprecating and i can see some of his stuff in you now that you say that yeah, yeah and 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 i've probably borrowed from bob a little bit not some consciously some some consciously but uh you know some of his mannerisms i think i've probably been influenced by and then um there's some comics that i really admire or find funny there's a guy like mike probigly a very he's a good friend of mine and his work ethic is unrivaled i mean it's just what he puts into the process is unbelievable there's a guy named joe zimmerman that's uh, just a really really original i you know usually what i like the most is is not necessarily how they land the joke but the topic that um, when they see something that i just oh man i can't believe i didn't see that you know that's so good yeah that's that's one nick griffin is uh, this guy that says he writes, you know, sort of late night TV sets. There's nobody better at that than him. There's a ton. A girl named Rachel Feinstein is really, really funny to me. I mean, I could go on. Early in my career, I got to work with Mitch Hedberg, who I think is, is, is you know, was sort of groundbreaking. And I'm not at all like him, but I just was like. He's got a whole different way of doing it. This is unbelievable. What he's, this, the things that he says are just genius, you know. Yeah. Uh, funny stuff. Yeah, a guy named Greg Rogel is really funny too, man. You know, he's not a famous guy, but he's, in my mind, like there's not a lot of people that are better than him. And then Brian Regan and Dennis Regan, his brother, who's not as famous as Brian, but they're both uh, hilarious. Really good, man. Really good. Yeah. I just watched a little deal the other day with Brian Regan was on was on Seinfeld's Comedians in Cars or whatever. Oh they yeah, were on there. I mean, yeah. just just hilarious watching those yeah, guys go yeah. back and forth. Oh man, you know? yeah. And both uh, uh, Brian and Dinners are both uh, really class acts, just really nice people. Good, that always helps. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it, it's and genuine. 
did you kind of go through, like you said, you started a little bit later as far as you were 33 when you, when you kind of stopped your day job to really right. take this over, but did you kind of go through that deal where you're opening for some other people and, and doing quite a bit of that or just Oh a yeah. I mean, bit? it's sort of the way it start in comedy is like you're, you know, there's like a host, a middle and a headliner and you kind of, when I was living in Cincinnati, had a day job, I was the, you know, it's usually a local person. So I was a host longer than most people were the host. Cause I had a day job. So for, you know, close to eight years off and on, I was the, you know, the host. And then I was ready to be the middle guy when I quit my day job, probably more ready than most people. Cause I just hosted for so long. And, uh, so, you know, and then when you're that middle, you just work with whoever they put you with. And I worked with plenty of really, really funny people. Yeah. Good. You know, and I've had to, you know, you have the big theater acts where like I'll, I've opened for, uh, for Kathleen Madigan, who, who's a friend of mine and, you know, she, uh, at, at theaters and stuff like that. She's really, really good. She's got a great joke. I, I'm 90% sure it's her. And if not, I'll have to delete this out <laughs> later, but she's got a great joke about weddings. And, and she was talking about people are, this was back whenever people were really hung up on same sex weddings or, or not. If that oh, was yeah, okay or I not. Joking, yeah. she, she gives, she gives the joke about this. Somebody, somebody she heard on the news said something about, well, what's next? going to marry goats or animals. And she's like, Oh really? Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd like to see that kind of wedding. Yeah. And she was like, I would go to that. Yeah, wedding. I would love that one. I, I would <laughs> yeah. love that one. And then, then she's got the, I think it was her too. She's talking about the, uh, the joke about, it was about polygamy basically. Yeah. She was like, you know, I don't oh, say, yeah. I, she said, I don't see anything wrong with polygamy. As long as, as long as all the girls are over 30. Yeah. She's yeah. Like, I'd like to see the guy that lines up to marry me and 14 of my friends. <laughs> 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 I just love that one. You know, it's like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah that, that's a great joke. Yeah, yeah so, she's, she's good. She's, she's also a really nice person. Oh, right? good. Yeah, really so good. besides your stand-up stuff, of course, we hit it on earlier, but, you know, you did the special, of course, which was stand-up, but then you're, you know, you made some of those little videos for Flow Wrestling and for yeah, other yeah, stuff, yeah. too. You know, the, the Coach Larry was a great... Oh, thanks, great, man. It's, it's Larry, right? Yeah, 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 Larry. yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden when I said it, I thought, wait, is that right? Coach Larry was just a great character. Oh, thanks, you know? man. I mean, thanks. you know, for, for, for you guys that haven't seen it, there's just a lot of a lot of good stuff you can find out there on it, but, I mean, you know, this is this coach that, that's trying to help give advice and different yeah, it's things. Yeah, it's an assistant coach that always interrupts the head coach that doesn't know anything about the sport. You know, just always focused on the dumb stuff. Yeah, yeah. I loved the uh, 401k. Yes. Oh, that's a whack. Yeah, that's going way back. Yeah. yeah. Somebody was asking about about some financial advice since, you know, since you're giving, giving Coach Larry's giving all kinds of advice now. Right, so he's right. asking about a 401k or something. Tell us about that one. I, what, was that when he, I, can't, I mean, this is going a ways back. <laughs> he said, like, something you said. Somebody said, hey, Larry, I've been thinking about doing this, you know, getting this retired, this did he IRA say, was he, was or, or like, 401k. I, 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 no, I don't advise running 401 kilometers. I mean, I think that's just, we don't, I mean, we're hard on the boys, but that's uh, that's that's a little bit too much as far as. <laughs> yeah, 401 kilometers is a long ways, you know, <laughs> crack me up, man. Yeah, that's good stuff. So, well, listen, man, I want to be mindful of your time. I know you got another set to do this afternoon, and, and I just want to tell you, I appreciate you doing this. Oh, I really enjoyed talking to you, man. Yeah, yeah, thanks, for, thanks for, thanks uh, for, Come to the show. Yeah. And you good. brought uh you brought the legendary uh Missouri referee Jerry Middleton, man. That was that's awesome to <laughs> yeah. see him, man. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. You know, that's my dad. He's talking about a course for those of you guys that don't know. But yeah, we my dad and I went and watched him last night, had a good time. So Yeah, he told me you know, as a comedian, sometimes you just hear stuff all the time. You're like, All right, man. But he told me some, it's it's rare when I'm like, Man, that's hilarious. And he was telling me uh this ref that we knew, uh Mickey Stewart, who was just a character. He's just a character from uh, uh, St. Louis, and he was a wrestling referee. 
and he was refing some college match, and it was William Jewell back when they had a team. Now they don't; they didn't have a team for twenty years. Now they have a, a, a new a new team starting with this uh, friend of ours, Keenan Haggard. He's going to coach. But your dad was saying he was refing with Mickey, and, and some William Jewell kid is wrestling, and uh, and Mickey goes, "Stolen on the Baptist, right there." <laughs> <laughs> It's a Baptist college, you know, and that's yeah, that's yeah, the whole joke. Stalin on the Baptist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he used to drive my dad, who was a coach, nuts because Mickey would just sort of interpret the rules however he wanted to interpret the rules. And you'd show him in the rule book and be like, yeah. And Mickey would be like, yeah, yeah, that's just not the way I do it, though. <laughs> You have to laugh at that, but, but how frustrating is oh, that? As a coach, oh, wanted, my dad God. wanted to kill him, you know? But he's a real nice guy and a real funny guy, real kind of eccentric guy too, yeah, man. Yeah. So before we sign off, you, met, you, you mentioned your dad. You've got some great bits that you've done over the years about your dad. Oh, thanks, man. Stuff, yeah, but yeah. I mean, you know, tell us a little bit about your dad real quick. Yeah, he's, um, he's a great guy. He's 75 and he's, uh, he was a wrestling coach for, he was my coach for several years and uh, he's retired now. His health is pretty good. He's had a couple heart attacks and he had a, a couple back surgeries but he still just wants to get out and do all this stuff you know he's just like 98 degrees the other day and he's up on a ladder cleaning out the gutters i'm like what are you doing man he's like well you want to do it i'm like no i'll pay somebody <laughs> I, i'm not like a handy i just don't none of my brothers and i will do that stuff i just and, and I'm, i'll pay anything he's like, i don't, I don't, I don't want to you know I don't feel right taking your money but you feel right about me being on a ladder in <laughs> 100 degree heat and his backyard is just he's not really like into that stuff but every now and then he's just like ah, oh, we got to get it all taken care of. you know like he's got these bushes that are just it's just a mess out there and i know there's poison ivy out there i mean i can't id it but i'm pretty sure there's poison ivy and he's like, well, you, well, you want to help me trim the bushes? I'm like, no, I don't. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll hire somebody. Nah, I don't feel right taking your money. But you feel right having me get poison ivy, though. That's fine. You feel, you feel perfectly fine about that. No problems at all. He's got this dog who I love, Red. It's, it's, uh, that's my favorite. I love Red. Red's like, uh, he'll play fetch for six hours with me. He's, I'm like his favorite person because I walk him and I play fetch with him. And, but he's this really particular dog. Like, he'll only play fetch with this one kind of ball it looks like an owl it's like got fur and it's got you know the eyes and the ears and it just looks like an owl and he will not play with that's i don't know if it scares him i don't know if poodles are like uh natural predators of owls but he, he like he will play with the owl all day long but like i show him a tennis ball and he's like i don't play tennis i don't know what you're talking about what, what are we doing here let's get the owl and let's go but the owl balls i buy them and they're real expensive they're they're not cheap and I'm the one who gets him. And my dad, we bought him a riding mower because of his back. And when he goes to mow the lawn, like his style is start, mow, stop. He's not clearing stuff out. If there's something in his way, he's going right over it. You could put an anvil in the backyard. He's going right <laughs> over it. And uh, so he just mows over all these owl balls. And sh I mean, the whole yard is basically shredded owl balls. I'm spending... 300 bucks a month on owl balls he's killing me man i'd be better off just hiring somebody to cut the grass <laughs> you feel bad for taking your money doing that though yeah 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 you know he's fine with that yeah that's <laughs> oh, good man good stuff so one thing i was just kind of thinking about or maybe wanted to ask you about 
most of your comedy, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, most of your comedy that I've seen has been pretty family friendly. Yeah, yeah, especially. I mean, I was never raunchy. I was probably a little bit more profane. You know, I was not a G-rated comic back in the day. And then I would say in the last five years, I've just gradually shifted. But maybe in the last ten years, I've gradually shifted. And, and over the last five years, it, if you if you catch me in a club some night, you might hear me swear. Nothing raunchy, but not much. I'd re- doubt anybody's going to be offended. But the stuff that I put out, like the special, you can watch with your kids. It's, 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 you know, the stuff that I put like CDs and, and video specials, it's almost, it's, it's close to G rated. Like I said, you know, especially if you come to a Friday night late show, you might hear me swear, but I doubt you're going to be, if, if you set out to be offended, you probably could be, but you know, most performances, like what you saw last night, I would say it's probably that was probably a PG thirteen performance, if you know, if not just PG. Yeah, it just kind of happened to be. I was never that raunchy, and then I got some advice, being like, "Hey, man, you're you're close enough to being clean. Why don't you just be clean?" And I was like, "Yeah, it makes sense." And it, it, you know, it was more of a business decision. And then my sensibilities sort of shifted that way, anyways. You know, you get older, and it's just like, oh man. I, I mean, now I need to work on sort of um, when I'm off stage, I still. I'm like, why? Why do I talk like that sometimes? <laughs> I get around some of my old wrestling buddies, and and I actually that's that's not true. I shouldn't blame my old wrestling buddies, right? You know, right, yeah, right. But uh, yeah, yeah. I just, I, yeah. But yeah, just sort of. I think there's people that just don't want to hear it, and I'd really rather not exclude them. I want them to see what what they want to see, and a lot of people will try to be like, well, that that means it's harder to write clean comedy or it's bad it's you know it's harder to write good comedy you know there's guys that i think are hilarious that are filthy it's just not my it's not my style i've heard both sides of that too and i've i heard somebody i listened to bill burr one time and he was somebody gave him some kind of critique and they said something like well anybody can get a joke with an f word and a and you know making fun of this he's like really go try it yeah 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 exactly yeah you know funny's funny whether you're cussing or yeah, not cussing yeah. but, i mean it's fun to but, say it but you, you made know. that choice to kind of go that way for now and, it just, and, it, and it's still for, funny yeah just sort of the way i went but yeah i mean if anybody's gonna say bill burr's not funny they're or what he does is easy they're out of their mind you know it's the, he, that's a great response yeah okay there's open mic night tuesday <laughs> exactly my friend doug medford was this comic and uh his favorite, th- I, I loved his line when he was, he would be like, hey, you know, he's like the host. And he'd be like, we got open mic night on Tuesday nights here at the club. And uh, so, you know, if you got a friend at work that, uh, that thinks they're real funny, you know, bring him down on Tuesday and we'll, we'll put a stop to that real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll make sure they don't quit their day job. That, that, that old joke, don't quit your day job, is yeah. there for a reason, right? Yeah, it's good. Good. All right, man. Well, listen. I just pulled my mic. There we go. You guys make sure you go catch Greg's special, Greg Warren, and the special is on. It's on Amazon or Amazon Prime. It's called Where the Field Corn Grows. Perfect. You guys go check that out. Greg, thanks a lot for your time today, man. Uh, I really enjoyed it, Cal. I wish you the best. Oh, thanks, buddy. Thank you. If you're enjoying the Horses in Life podcast, there are many ways you can support it. You can obviously tell people about it. You can tell your friends about it. You can share it through social media or any other means. You can go to patreon.com and support it financially. There's a little more information on my website about the podcast. Also on my website, calmiddleton.com. Please be sure you sign up for my monthly newsletters through my email subscription list. Until next time, enjoy each day. Enjoy each day.